0: Morning, friends. Welcome and welcome back to chapel. Uh, a few things to share with you before we get started. First of all, you'll notice on the the, the back of your sheet here, there is a seminary community uh, celebration immediately following following chapel. I believe that's right out here. Uh, you won't want to miss that. Um, this morning, preaching for us, we have Dr. Leslie McClendon, who is the uh, our our preaching professor, she'll be joining us and preaching through Zoom, which is a wonderful time to remind y'all that join us digitally. That you can participate too. You can preach. You can lead prayers. You can lead songs. Um, the, uh, through uh, through Zoom, we have the technology to make that make that happen. And if that's something that sings to your soul, uh, let uh, do let me know, and we can we can make that work. Uh, is there anything else that? anyone would like to share with the community before we get started? And let us prepare ourselves with a deep breath in together and a deep breath out. And let's join together in a word of prayer. Almighty God, kindle, we pray, in every heart the true love of peace, and guide with your wisdom those who take counsel for the nations of the earth, that in tranquility your dominion may increase until the earth is filled with the knowledge of your love. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our gathering hymn can be found on either page 573 of Voices Together or on the walls around you. you. Uh, Stand in body or spirit as you feel led, and let's join together in song.
1: I invite you to join uh, in reading the scripture passage from Matthew 5. Please join me in the bold parts. And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you.
2: All right. Well, good afternoon, everyone. What an honor uh, it is to be here to preach today. I want to welcome uh, those who are joining us, like me, on the screen, and also those who are on the scene. It's always a joy to be able to share in fellowship together, and I'm grateful to our Seminary Chapel Minister, Reverend Brett, and also our Associate Dean, Dr. Bixler, for extending this invitation for me today. You know, if I'm honest, I don't know whether to be nervous or excited because I have the honor of teaching the preaching course this fall, and I've given our class the opportunity to evaluate me since I'm preaching today. So I'm internally praying for myself. But before we get started, I just want to throw out really quickly that I am unapologetically Anabaptist. Uh, which to me means that I am a peacemaking, Jesus following girl who is filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I have Anabaptist roots with a hint of Pentecostal expression at times. So I may or may not get a little passionate just putting it out there uh, for us. And so sometimes when I have the opportunity to preach, I wrestle with multiple scriptures and have a hard time picking just one. And since I couldn't pick one, I'm going to talk about both. And I'm really hoping that talking about both of them will make sense at the end. As a matter of fact, if you are watching virtually or even if you're in person, if you'll do us a favor for the seminary and share this broadcast on Facebook, that would be very helpful uh, so that multiple people can have access to this message that is about to be preached. I came across a Facebook status in 2020 that stated I'm somewhere in between We Shall Overcome and Nuck If You Buck. Now, if you don't know what that means, these are two very popular songs on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Nuck If You Buck in popular African-American church culture even or culture may be deemed as a national anthem for those who may feel the urge to fight at times. And of course, we shall overcome the ultimate sign of peace and walking hand in hand. And so as a self-proclaimed Anabaptist, I can resonate with that. I've seen my share of people who really believe that peaceful protests are not the answer and that we will only be seen and heard if we take things to the next level. However, I've also heard the opposite. And just a few years ago, at the height of the pandemic with regard to health and racial tension, I almost felt like my phone was buzzing nonstop from people who didn't look like me, asking the question, what can we do? I've had friends of other races even say to me, I'm so sorry, but I just don't know what to say. What can I do beyond posting a status on social media? Because if we're honest, those words without deeds got played out really quickly. When I look at a text from Hosea chapter four, verse six, the Eastern the standard version says this, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now notice that passage is not saying that they are destroyed because there is no access to knowledge, but because of the lack of it or because they reject it. And so in light of this, I asked myself, how would Jesus respond? How are we truly to become disciples of Christ amidst all the chaos and confusion that's going on in our world? And when we look at Matthew chapter five, Jesus teaches us who to be and what to do. It's in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus establishes a new paradigm for ministry by creating a foundation of what the gospel would bring to people who were under the law. A law at that time, which most assuredly perpetuated classism, sexism, and oppression of all kinds. So Jesus takes time to instruct. And in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12, it portrays Jesus as both teacher and interpreter of the Torah. He gives instructions as to how a disciple should live in order to attain the kingdom of heaven. All of them are important and worthwhile. However, for this segment, the line I want to pay most attention to comes from Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. The King James Version, it reads like this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now, I think that peace is the best form of currency that many forget to hold on to. And not holding on to it has cost many so much in life. See, I have to be honest. I think that peace its one of those words that we throw around we don't quite understand its meaning. A quick search on Google on what is peace and a little over 1 billion results pop up in nearly half a second. Some of us have relegated peace to something we can pass around like a candy bar. Pass me a different kind of peace, please. I'll take this flavor. And it seems like in our modern day culture, we have veered away from what it looks like to truly live like Christ. And as a result, Christianity has become whitewashed, westernized, and weaponized. And I love revisiting Anabaptist history because, as Palmer Becker states, it is the only tradition that consistently refused political power and violence. This is the only tradition that made humble, self sacrificial love the centerpiece of what it means to follow Jesus. Most of the early leaders of this movement in the 16th century paid for their non compliance with the Christendom paradigm by being martyred. And here's what I think is interesting. Jesus never stated, blessed are the peacekeepers. In his book, The Politics of Jesus, Obrey Hendricks asserts that Jesus did not bless those whose primary goal was to keep the peace or to maintain the status quo without regard for justice or equity. No, the ones that Jesus explicitly blessed were the peacemakers, those who actively strove to cleanse the world of oppression and exploitation in order to make a reality where peace can reign for all. See, peacemaking here is not for one's own personal gain, but for the sake of others. Those who volunteer for peacemaking are not concerned with their own personal agenda, but that of Christ. And I think it bears reiterating that peace is not synonymous with inaction, While peacekeepers are admirable, peacemakers tend to be more of an anomaly. Peacemakers must have the discipline and the courage to rid themselves of selfish ambition, which marks one as a child of God. See, we can call Jesus a pacifist, but not a pacifist. And I don't think any pacifist who was committed to making a difference would label themselves as passive. The two words may sound similar, but they are not interchangeable. While a passive person avoids conflict at all costs to maintain peace, a pacifist may operate more like an activist, working for peace, just in a nonviolent way. And for many current Anabaptists, pacifism is even considered too passive. Several have ventured from strict non-resistance toward nonviolent action against evil. And I'll be the first to admit, following Jesus is not for the weak, it's for the meek. And despite what people may try to impose on you, meek ain't weak, right? I know that might be grammatically incorrect, but meekness is strength under constraint. And so it's Jesus's example that challenges us to be pacifist, not pacifist, courageous, not cowards, and benevolent, not brash, just to name a few. Need I remind us that we serve the prince of peace who flip tables? Now, I'm not a proponent of violence. I don't condone it, but I'm also not a proponent of passing or turning a blind eye to things that are happening that need to be addressed. See, when it comes to leadership, leading like Jesus means doing things that others bypass. Perfect example comes from the story of the Good Samaritan found in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. I'll do my best to summarize the text. A religious scholar stood up to try Jesus. He says, hey, Jesus, what I gotta do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what does God's law say? How do you define it? The scholar said, well, love the Lord your God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, great, go do that and you'll live. And I think it's safe to say that maybe the expert was trying to find a way to uh, get out of it, right? Because he only loves certain people and not all. So he goes on to say, and who exactly is my neighbor? Jesus proceeds to tell him a story. He says a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of everything that he had. They beat him up pretty badly and left him half dead on the sidewalk. A priest came by, but when he saw him, even if it was out of the corner of his eye, he kept walking. A Levite came by, walked over and just looked. And if I were to bring this story into modern times, I'd venture to say that the Levite maybe even took a picture for Instagram or a snippet for TikTok with the caption, thoughts and prayers, but then went on about their journey. But here's where it gets good. The text tells us that a despised Samaritan, why despised? Because the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. Racial tension had been going on for a long time. It took the deplorable one to show compassion and care and ultimately make a difference. Was this Samaritan? Treated the Jewish man's wounds, gave him transportation, lodging, and food, all on his expense. And at the conclusion of this story, Jesus poses a question to the religious scholar and says, now, which one do you think was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by robbers? To which the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And see, as I thought about this, What grieved me the most in this story was the fact that those who were supposed to represent God, especially in title, were nowhere to be found. The Levite didn't pay attention. The priest didn't pay attention. I would venture to say it feels the same way in some communities right now. Maybe they were running late for choir rehearsal or headed to be a guest on a larger platform. I don't know. What I do know is they bypassed someone who was hurt and in need. And so I think a reflective question for us would be, who am I in this story? Am I the person being attacked? Am I the priest? Am I the Levite? Am I the good Samaritan? See, the story has so many key takeaways for me, but as I was studying this text from different angles and perspectives, Dr. King's imagination of this parable piqued my interest. He says, and I quote, it's possible that the men were afraid, It's possible that the priest and the Levite looked over that man on the ground and wondered if the robbers were still around. Or it's possible that they felt that the man on the ground was merely faking. He was acting like he had been robbed and hurt in order to seize them over there, lure them there for a quick and easy seizure. And so the first question they asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But then the good Samaritan came by And he reversed the question. And he says, If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? And at the conclusion of the text, we hopefully come to the revelation that it is not only through the love of Christ that we are able to love our neighbor. See, good intentions are not enough. And I can't help but question the priest and the Levite in this story and ask, are we too busy doing things in God's name while failing to pay attention to the things that God named? I'll say that again. Are we too busy? Lord, I've done this for you. Lord, I've done X, Y, Z. God, I did this. But we're failing to pay attention to the things that God told us is important. You see, you cannot preach the gospel without justice justice is at the core of Jesus's mission. He tells us in Luke chapter four that the spirit of the Lord anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. That's what Jesus was all about. See the parable of the good Samaritan Challenges us to examine our attitudes and actions toward others, encouraging us to become peacemakers in our communities. It teaches us to extend compassion, to break down barriers, and prioritize the well being and dignity of others, irrespective of differences. By following the example of the Good Samaritan, we can contribute to creating a more peaceful and harmonious society. As I close, I'm going to ask you this question or help you figure out an answer. You want to find out how to be blessed? I'll end with the second sentence of Luke chapter 10, verse 37. Then Jesus said, now go and do likewise. The word of God for the people of God.
0: Thank you for that, Dr. McClendon. Let's take a moment of silent reflection to let what God may be saying to us uh, simmer in our hearts. I encourage you to keep your ears and your heart open for what God is saying to you today. The sermon is over, but the Spirit is still doubtlessly speaking. Uh, let's open our hymnals, or our eyes to the, the words on the wall, to uh, uh, bless, bless the arms that comfort, either 527 in the hymnal or on the walls around you. <laughs>
1: you to bow your heads in prayer. God, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy.
0: For our final hymn, we get to hear from another great Anabaptist. Uh, The text of this hymn is uh, taken from the work of Menno Simmons himself. I invite you to stand in body or spirit, however however you feel led and comfortable, as we sing together We are people of God's peace. Clendon, to bless us
2: on our way. May the God of peace go with you as you leave this sacred place. May you carry the teachings of Christ in your hearts and reflect his love in all you do. May you be instruments of God's peace, seeking justice, showing mercy, and walking humbly with your God. The Lord bless you and keep you make God's face shine upon you and grant you peace now and forever. Amen.